First Chronicles chapter 14. Why don't you stand with me this evening as we read from God's Word. First Chronicles 14, beginning with verse 8. And when the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek David. And David heard of it and went out against them. And the Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? And wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto him, Go up, for I will deliver them into thine hand. So they came up to Baal Perazim, and David smote them there. Then David said, God hath broken in upon mine enemies by mine hand like the breaking forth of waters. Therefore they called the name of that place Baal Perazim. And when they had left their gods there, David gave a commandment, and they were burned with fire. And the Philistines yet again spread themselves abroad in the valley. Therefore David inquired again of God, and God said unto him, Go not up after them, turn away from them, and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And it shall be when thou shalt hear a sound of going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt go out to battle. For God is gone forth before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. David therefore did as God commanded him, and they smote the host of the Philistines from Gibeon even to Gezer. And the fame of David went out into all lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I need your help to preach tonight. God, I'd ask that you would speak to us all through the scriptures. And Lord, may the saints be edified and may you be glorified is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Here is the story of David inquiring of God concerning battling the Philistines. God directed him in this battle, and the result was that the fame of David spread abroad. David then, as we look at First Chronicles 15, the Bible says, and David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. And if you'll go with me then to Second Samuel 6, we must piece things together in the Scriptures. And I would remind you in your study of God's Word that it is not laid out always in chronological order. And so we must take the time to put things together and to see what's taking place. Second Samuel 6. And again with verse 1, again David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart. And brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah 
And Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of firwood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And back then to First Chronicles 15, where there is the story of David on the second attempt bringing the ark. Up to the city of David. In verse 15 of First Chronicles 15 says, And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon, as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. It does make a difference when you do things God's way. Uzzah need not have died. And of course, David was afraid of God. But David had made the error. And the breach was because David did not do things as Moses had commanded. And verse 16 of 1 Chronicles 15, And David spake to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers with instruments of music, psalteries, and harps and cymbals sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. So the Levites appointed Heman, the son of Joel, and of his brethren, Asaph, the son of Berechiah, and of the sons of Merari, their brethren, Ethan, the son of Cushiah. And with them, their brethren of the second degree, Zechariah, Ben, and Jaziel, and Shemiramoth, and Jehiel, and Unai, Eliab, and Benaniah, and Maasiah, and Mattathiah, and Elipha. And Mikniah and Obed-Edom and Jehiel, the porters. So the singers, Heman, Asaph, and Ethan were appointed to sound with cymbals of brass. And we skip then to verse 28. Thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting and with sound of the cornet and with trumpets and with cymbals, making a noise with psalteries and harps. And it came to pass as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the city of David that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looking out at a window, saw King David dancing and playing, and she despised him in her heart. 
So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God. And when David had made an end of offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And he dealt to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to every one a loaf of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. And he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to thank and praise the God of Israel, Asaph the chief, and next to him Zechariah, Jael and Shemiramoth and Jehiel and Mattathiah and Eliab and Benaiah and Obed-Edom and Jael with psalteries and with harps and Asaph made a sound with cymbals. Benaiah also and Jehaziel the priest with trumpets continually before the ark of the covenant of God. Then on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. And if we make the cross reference, the psalm that David is about to sing, which he has delivered into the hand of Asaph, is the 105th psalm. And you can find it there, but what a wonderful song. Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people. Sing unto Him, sing psalms unto Him, talk ye of all His wondrous works. Glory ye in His holy name, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in His strength, seek His face continually. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O oh, ye seed of Israel, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Be mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, even of the covenant which he made with Abraham, and of his oath unto Isaac, and hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance, when ye were but few, even a few, and strangers in it, and when they went from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Sing unto the Lord all the earth, show forth from day to day his salvation, declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations." For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Glory and honor are in His presence. Strength and gladness are in His place. Given to the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Given to the Lord glory and strength. Given to the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. 
Fear before him all the earth. The world also shall be stable that it be not moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let men say among the nations, the Lord reigneth. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. Let the fields rejoice and all that is therein. Then shall the trees of the wood sing out at the presence of the Lord because he cometh to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And say ye, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather us together, and deliver us from the heathen, that we may give thanks to thy holy name, and glory in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. So he left there before the ark of the covenant of the Lord Asaph and his brethren to minister before the ark continually as every day's work required. What a song. What a song. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, being moved to pen these words. Did he know something of battle? Did he know about going forth to meet the enemy? Yes, he did. He had often been delivered supernaturally by the power of God. He would go forth in faith to battle against his enemies. And God would deliver him over and over again. He would inquire of God. Yet he speaks here in this psalm. Concerning the victories which God had given. But he is also speaking prophetically concerning the victories which God would give. For does it not say there at the end, verse 33, Then shall the trees of the wood sing out at the presence of the Lord, because he cometh to judge the earth? That's yet in the future when he comes to judge the earth. And it says that the trees would sing out at the presence of the Lord. It's amazing. You remember what happened there is the Philistines are coming to battle against David in 1 Chronicles 14. God told him to wait at the mulberry trees. And when there was a going in the trees, then he would go forth to battle. The reason why is because that's when he'd know the presence of God was there. It'll be the same in the future. There'll be a time when literally, according to Scripture, that the trees of the wood will sing out at the presence of the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth. It'll happen again, as it happened on that day with David, as he battled against the Philistines. I wonder if we've often thought what it would have been like to be a keeper of our father's sheep. To be charged with their protection. To have been there to fight against the lion and the bear. But also to have been there keeping the sheep, doing what our father commanded And to pen psalms and sing them unto our God. And then how many young men 
have often thought, I'd like to be a David and go forth and defeat a Goliath with a sling. What a wonderful feat that was. And then to think of all of the victories which God gave unto David, a man who is called a man after God's own heart. And one who would serve God and rule well his people. Not a perfect man, as we know. One who also was subject to like passion and who would fall into sin. And yet God forgave him. And he forgave him after the same manner which we know. Which means while David deserved death for what he had done, he received the sure mercies of God. And while we deserve to be cast into hell, we also have received of the sure mercies of God, have we not? So uh, we think of David and what a magnificent man he was. What a great king. And as we look through the Psalms, how often our attention is called to the fact that this was a Psalm that the Spirit of God moved David to pen. We looked at one of those yesterday as we examined the 110th Psalm and how oft it is quoted in the New Testament and how much it speaks of the grand doctrines that we hold so dear. But it's not David to which we'd like you to give your attention for a little while this evening. It is another man in the text. And this man's name is Asaph. Asaph. The Bible tells us in 1 Chronicles 16 is the one to whom David delivered this psalm, the 105th psalm, so that it might be recorded, so that it might be kept. The fact that we can turn to the 105th psalm and read it tells us something about Asaph. He did his job. Asaph is one whom the Bible says was... Of the tribe of Levi. First Chronicles 6 verses 39 through 43 gives his genealogy. He is referred to there as a Levite. And in First Chronicles 15 and verse 19, which we have already read, the Bible tells us that Asaph was a singer. He was one who was responsible for the music. And we are thankful that he not only sang, but he played on cymbals on this great occasion as they went before the ark and they marched into the city to bring it finally there so that Obed-Edom would not be the only one who would be receiving blessings from the presence of God, but that all Israel might receive those blessings as well. And it's interesting that the Bible tells us something else about Asaph in 1 Chronicles 25. 1 Chronicles 25 and verse 1. Moreover, David and the captains of the host separated to the service of the sons of Asaph and of Heman and of Jeduthun, who should prophesy with harps, with psalteries, and with cymbals. And the number of the workmen according to their service was of the sons of Asaph, Zechariah, and Joseph, and Nethaniah, and Asarela, the sons of Asaph, under the hands of Asaph, which prophesied according to the order of the king. 
This was not just a Levite. He was not just a singer who could play well on the cymbals. He was not just responsible for recording the psalms and the other things which David delivered into his hands. But he was a prophet as well. And he prophesied through his singing and through his writing. And the Bible tells us if we would look to Second Chronicles 29. 2 Chronicles 29, many years later, when Hezekiah is king, we find this concerning Asaph. Second Chronicles 29, verse 27. And Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offering upon the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also with the trumpets and with the instruments ordained by David, king of Israel. And all the congregation worshipped, and the singer sang, and the trumpeter sounded. And all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had made an end of offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshipped. Moreover, Hezekiah the king and the princes commanded the Levites to sing praise unto the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. And they sang praises with gladness and they bowed their heads and worshipped. So years later, they are singing the psalms not only of David, but also of Asaph, who is referred to as the seer here. And you do remember, no doubt, in 1 Samuel 9 and verse 9, that a seer is defined as a prophet. And of course, Asaph was a prophet. They were singing his songs. And we go to the 50th psalm. Psalm 50. Asaph would be used to pen 12 psalms. Not nearly so many as David, but he did so as a prophet, a seer. And in this 50th psalm, which opens the mighty God, even the Lord has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before Him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about Him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that He may judge His people. Gather my saints together unto me those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Just one example of the Psalms of Asaph. Frequently, in fact, most every time but one, we'd find that within the first few words of the Psalms of Asaph, he is going to mention something about God. That is where his attention is directed. This is the one that he loves, and this is the one he serves, and this is the one for whom he prophesies. And you see a bit of the prophecy there in verses 3 through 5 of the 50th Psalm. We find as we look then to the 73rd Psalm, we will see the next Psalm which was penned by Asaph. In fact, 
Psalm 73 through Psalm 83 is penned by this man. This psalm, the 73rd psalm, opens with these words, Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Truly, God is good. How often have you heard the words, God is good? Do you know that the only time that this phrase appears in Scripture, in praise unto God, is in the 73rd Psalm. Only one other time will you find the words, God is good, together. And that would be in the New Testament when it is talking about every creature of God is good. And nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. And while I'm all for eating every creature of God, and thankful for that phrase, I'm well aware that used this way, In Psalm 73, it is actually speaking of praise unto God. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Next time you think about that phrase as a scriptural phrase, think of Asaph, the one to whom the Spirit of God gave those words, and he would pin them. The 74th Psalm. O God, why hast thou cast us all forever? Why doth thine anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? And in the 74th Psalm, verse 13. Thou didst divide the sea by thy strength. Thou breakest the heads of the dragons in the waters. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces. And gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Here, Asaph is writing concerning Leviathan, the adversary of the saints, the king of all the children of pride. As the book of Job says, he is speaking of Satan and telling how God broke his head and used it to feed the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness. A truth we find from Asaph, the seer. God moving him to pen these words. Psalm 75, unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto thee do we give thanks. For that thy name is near, thy wondrous works declare. And the Bible says in verse 6, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. That's not just a verse placed in the Bible for filler. For there are no verses placed in the Bible for that reason. They all have a meaning. And remember, these psalms are not just inspirational. They're not just good for singing. They don't just thrill our hearts when we raise our our voice in song. But they are prophetic as well. And here is one of the few places in the Old Testament where there is an allusion to the catching away of the saints. Much of the Old Testament speaks about the second advent. But I hope you understand this truth concerning the time that we will be called away into heaven, which we refer to as the rapture. Verse 6 says, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. That leaves only one direction. And folks, that's north. And that's where heaven is. According to the scripture, it's on the sides of the north. And when we are promoted, he's going to take us north. Just a tidbit. 
in a psalm of Asaph. The 76th psalm. In Judah is God known. His name is great in Israel. The Bible says in Judah is God known. And the second verse says in Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. And in a psalm of Asaph, not the psalm of David, but in a psalm of Asaph, the word Salem is mentioned. It's the only time that it's mentioned between Genesis 14 and Hebrews 7. And both of those places talking about Melchizedek. And of course, if this were not here telling us that the location of the place where Melchizedek lived, we might be left in darkness as to his identity. But here we find that in Salem... Also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion talking about God. And you can put the pieces together there concerning the identity of Melchizedek who was an Old Testament revelation of the second person of the Godhead, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Psalm 77, verse 1, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and He gave ear unto me. Verse 9 says, Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath He in anger shut up His tender mercies? Selah. There's a word that appears often throughout the Psalms. And as it is in the Psalms of David and the other Psalms, so it is with the Psalm of Asaph. Most every time that word Selah appears in your Bible, it is not just for a pause in the singing. It's not just for meditation, but it is usually in the context of the second advent. Something that's going to happen in the future when the Lord God returns. And so that word draws our attention again to the fact that these psalms are prophetic in their nature as well as inspirational. The Bible tells us in Psalm 78, Give ear, O my people, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. And the idea here in this psalm is to teach the children that generations to come might know some great truths of God. Verse 5, For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers that they should make, known, make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. One of the greatest places in all of the Old Testament used as an admonition to the children of Israel that they do not forget God and that they do not forget His law. And what an admonition. And isn't that something similar to what we try to do in our generation? We want our children to know God. And we want them to remember His Word. And we want them to teach it to the generations that are to come. And that, by the way, is your responsibility. 
And we'd find that the Scripture goes on to tell us in the 79th Psalm again, a Psalm of Asaph, O God, the heathen are coming to thine inheritance. Thy holy temple have they defiled. They have laid Jerusalem on heaps. The dead bodies of thy servants have they given to be meat unto the fowls of the heaven, the flesh of thy saints unto the beast of the earth. Their blood have they shed like water round about Jerusalem. And there was none to bury them. Well, Bible students, that ought to draw your attention to something that's yet in the future. And it ought to take you to the book of Revelation chapter 11 where there are the two witnesses of God, Elijah and Moses, whose dead bodies will lie in the street of Jerusalem and no one will bury them. And it is a perfect cross-reference. Again, talking about a future time when God will deal with His people, the children of Israel. Psalm 80, verse 1, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that dwellest between the cherubims, shine forth. Interesting that he had charge as a Levite with singing and ministering before the ark. He was there as it made its journey the day of which we read just a few moments ago, he was charged with ministering in that place and he knew well concerning the one who dwelt between the cherubims. The Bible says further in this psalm, in verse 8 concerning the children of Israel, Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. That's talking about Israel. Many cross-references in Scripture to the great truth that is presented to us here in the 80th Psalm. Isaiah 5, Matthew chapter 21, Mark chapter 12, Luke chapter 20, all cross-references to this vine being Israel. And then in verse 19 of the 80th Psalm, Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Cause thy face to shine. And it's interesting as we look to Psalm 81, Sing aloud unto God our strength, make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Again, we are told to praise the Lord. Verse 10 of Psalm 81 would be the life verse of men such as George Mueller. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. And how often people have bowed their knees and reminded through their prayers a holy God of His promise that He would care for His people using Psalm 81 and verse 10. And how often could you say with the saints of old that there have been so many times that you have reminded God of His promises as well and He has been faithful to you to supply your need and to fill your mouths. And guess what? He does that every day that we live. And we ought to be grateful and not take anything for granted. The Bible tells us in Psalm 82, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. This is the scripture which our Lord would reference when he was talking to the Pharisees there in John chapter 10 verses 34 and verse 35. 
As he would say in verse 6, I have said ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High, but ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. And again, arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. And a cross-reference to passages in the Word of God, like the book of Malachi chapter 4, where that very wording is used concerning what God will do when He returns in the second Advent, verse 2 of Malachi 4, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in His wings, and He shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. The Bible tells us then in Psalm 83, Keep not thou silence, O God, hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God, for lo, thine enemies make a tumult. They that hate thee have lifted up the head. We find that verse 4 is prophetic, even speaking of what's taking place today. They have said, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. Oh, for the day when God will foil the attempts of the nations to rid themselves of the children of Israel. And he will cut them off at that time. And this psalm ends with these words in verse 18, that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. Now let me ask you something. Sure, we know about the sweet psalmist of Israel, David. But from the time the message began this evening until now, do you have a greater admiration for Asaph, the psalmist? We've gone through everything that we have read, showing the position of Asaph as a Levite, as a singer, as one who was a musician and who ministered before the ark of God, whose responsibility it was to take the Psalms of David and to record them. Also seen that the scripture tells us concerning Asaph that he was a seer, he was a prophet. And examples provided for us in God's word of how his songs were known and they were sung. Throughout Israel's history. But his deeds. In our minds. Do not compare to that of a David. And yet if we're honest. While many of us would say I'd love to be a David. We more closely would be associated in our lives. And in our works. With Asaph. And you know what? That's not bad. Would you be an Asaph for God? You'll never be referred to as the sweet psalmist of Israel. You may never be referred to as a man after God's own heart. There may not be volumes that concern information of your life written about you. But dear saint... Your service is important to God. He will use you 
like he did Asaph, to do things that no one else can do. There are things that he would have you to do that the king cannot. There are things that he will use you to perform that others may never think about doing. Your service is not insignificant in the sight of God. Your faithfulness will make a difference in future generations as well. Your labors for which you will be rewarded are necessary in the service of God. They are necessary here at Grace Baptist Church. They are necessary in your family. They are necessary in the places that you travel and where you go each day, in your school, in your workplace, in your church, in your homes. Would you say, God, I'll be what you want me to be. Then some of you may turn out to be a David after all. That'd be wonderful. But would you say, God, if you'd just use me like you did Asaph, I don't have to have the rest of the world to know about me. The details of my life may not be recorded for posterity's sake. I may not be esteemed highly in the eyes of my brethren. But God, if you'd use me like an Asaph, I know by his example that that service is important to you. And that service is necessary. And that God will bless those efforts, even if they seem insignificant in comparison with someone else. Dear saint, will you be what God would have you to be? Will you learn from the example of Asaph that God can use us all if we're willing, if we're obedient? He wants to use you. Would you say, God, I want you to use me. And you helping me, I'll be faithful. Let's stand. Preacher, you come. Every head bowed. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, just a reminder and an exhortation tonight concerning faithfulness. God, would you help these saints who have already ministered so faithfully to so many for so long to continue to be faithful. And God, I'm mindful that there are a good number of young people here tonight whose lives of service lie before them. God, would you take them and use them that they might be faithful in their generation and speak of you to the generations to come. God, would you help us all? We beg it, Lord, in Jesus' name.